Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Um, I want to talk to you this morning. Uh, I want to preach to you on the subject of the kingdom of God. You know, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, and this week we're on the petition, Thy Kingdom Come. And it's interesting that right after the petition, Thy Kingdom Come, the next petition is, Thy Will Be Done. And so the first thing we need to say is that the kingdom of God comes when the will of God is done. And so there's a reason why naturally uh, thy will be done follows immediately after thy kingdom come. Now, it's always struck me that the triumphal entry, what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, is the one time that everybody got it right. And uh, Jesus, even the donkey, was in the parade doing what as a beast of burden, he was called to do, which was to bear the king of kings. And so on the triumphal entry, uh, everything was in harmony with the kingdom of God for a few minutes. We don't know how long the triumphal entry lasted. Um, probably, I've never thought about it, but probably at least an hour, couple of hours. But we have to remember that uh, Jesus, as soon as the triumphal entry was over, what we read, and I'm going to read it to you from the book of Matthew so you get a feel for how it happened. He, he gave the instructions to go get the donkey, and then it says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed, and they brought the donkey in the cold, and they laid their coats on him, and he sat on the coats, most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I don't know if you did like Mary Lee and I did this morning, but we put on our television with our good stereo speakers, the YouTube video that uh, Jody posted up on uh, our church's Facebook page of uh, Crystal Laws leading all the kids in the choir in Ben Gulick's uh, wonderful song, Hosanna in the Highest. And I'd encourage you to do that today and get out your palm fronds again and wave them. And as you do so, thank God for the ministry of Crystal among us, who will soon be leaving, but also Ben Gulick. Tomorrow is his birthday. And so if you think about it and you listen to the song, you might want to send him greetings. So this is what they said, Hosanna in the highest. Now, in Matthew 21, that's verse 9. Here's verse 10. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So that's verse 11. So verse 9 is Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10 is all the city saying, who is this? Verse 11 is, this is the prophet. Verse 12, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's debt. 
Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Okay, so feel the setup here. This is, again, Palm Sunday, and there's a progression. The story doesn't end with the triumphal entry, but it continues seamlessly into him going into the temple, cleansing the temple. <laughs> and then it says verse 15. So remember, verse 9 is Hosanna in the highest. We're now just a couple verses later in verse 15, and it says, but... So the adversative, but, but. In other words, contrary to what has come before, but. When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, I love that use of the word wonderful, and the children who were shouting in the temple. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful scene. The religious leaders, but when they saw the wonderful things he was doing and the children, praising him, saying, Hosanna, the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? Now, if you open up your Bibles later today and do what I often ask you to do on Palm Sunday, which is to read through this account, of Palm Sunday, and then right through to Judas betraying Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you just read straight through that account, showing you what happened in the coming few days before Good Friday when Christ our Lord was crucified. What you feel is growing tension. You feel that Jesus is requiring that the religious leaders kill him. Everything he does seems to be orchestrated towards them killing him. He rebukes and rebukes and rebukes him. He starts by cleaning out the temple. They had let the temple become a place of uh, merchandise, like the Roman Catholic Church and all the sacraments and all the the money that's spent on saying masses for the dead and just a perfect mercantile system meant to keep the people fearful and, and working all the sacraments and being a good Catholic, okay? Well, that's precisely what was going on in the temple at the time of Christ. He went in and he cleaned it all out. Imagine what Jesus would do with the Sistine Chapel. And then... He began to speak. And if you read the accounts of what he said, from now the triumphal entry until the time when he was betrayed and then he was crucified, you'll just see Jesus saying over and over and over again things that uh, rebuke the religious leaders. Now, why is he rebuking the religious leaders? Well, because the religious leaders are supposed to be announcing what? What did, the, what did Jesus begin to announce when he began to preach? He began to announce the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And what Jesus said over and over again is, you're not building the kingdom of God. You are building your own kingdoms. You are not giving the fruit of stewardship. Now, what is the stewardship that God's 
religious leaders are given? Well, we're given the stewardship of the mysteries of God. It's the stewardship of truth. And so instead of the priests and the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the rabbis, instead of all of them proclaiming obedience to God, they were proclaiming obedience to the rules of men. You remember Jesus, one of the rebukes he gives them in this period of time is he says, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. And so instead of proclaiming the kingdom of God, they were proclaiming their own kingdom, their own traditions, their own, you know, and he uses the illustration of them declaring that you didn't have to give any of your money to your parents as long as you gave it to the church. You know, you didn't have a duty to obey the fifth commandment that says honor your father and mother as long as you declared your money to be Corbin. And then he says, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. Well, what did the traditions end up doing for the church? The traditions ended up bringing money into the church. That was the goal. The goal was to milk the church's kingdom of God language for the sake of the uh, privilege and the, uh, the financial benefit of who? Of the religious leaders, okay, of the pastors and of the priests. Now, in the middle of this section where Jesus hammers this issue home again and again and again, they're not building the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All right, but they're not doing his will. They're not calling the people. In the middle, he tells this story, and I want to read it. It's Matthew 25, verses 14 through 31. For it is just like a kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with him and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more, and he, but he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. 
throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. This is the word of the Lord. Now, what's going on here? Well, this, as I said, is one of a large number of stories and parables. This is a parable that Jesus tells to show that his people and the religious leaders, his priests, were not giving him the fruit of his kingdom. In other words, they weren't bringing in the kingdom of God. And that's the reason the explanation at the end concludes with, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And so if we look at how Jesus came the first time, his incarnation, we see it humble. We see it most of his life suffering humiliation. This is the whole point of memorizing Isaiah 53 so that we know that the first time Jesus came, that he did not come in power and glory. He came in meekness and humility. Even the beast that bore him in the triumphal entry was a beast of burden. It wasn't a fancy Arabian stallion. And so Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders particularly, but all of us who belong to him for not giving him the hard work and the glory that is his right. And he does it by showing three different men. One man, the master gives him five, one man, two, and one man, one talent. And he says that he does it according to their gifts, according to their abilities. Now, how much was a talent? Uh, a talent was a unit of weight. It was the largest common unit of weight at the time. And so we might refer to it as being a ton today, 2,000 pounds. I got a kick when, uh, when Harry came in his car uh, yesterday. I was telling him that I had just been writing about him in a parable that I put up on Warhorn where I talked about the man whose wife wasn't content with his job because what did the man do? Well, I got this from Harry. Harry, every single day when he worked at, at, uh, at Walmart, he put out 2,000 pounds of bananas, okay? And so that's a ton. And that's similar to what a talent is. A talent is a very large heavy unit of weight that was very common at the time. So we don't know how much money these men were given, uh, but they were given a lot. Even the one that had one talent, he had a large amount of money. We don't know if it was silver or gold or what the unit uh, of uh, what the monetary unit was. And so what it says, and I get a kick out of the word immediately, it says that immediately the man with the five got busy. And there are some among us who just never miss an occasion to build the kingdom of God. You know, I think of Lucy Cabrera and her just, she's just never stopping building the kingdom of God. Um, I think of John Klug and uh, his zeal for the glory of God when he was with us and in, in, in leading us in worship, even before he got a chance to be up on the platform as a musician 
even in the congregation, I think of Daniel Froman. There are certain people among us who have zeal for the kingdom of God. And this is like the man with the five talents. Immediately, he takes the money and he goes and he begins to give the benefit of that investment to his master. He begins to glorify God. He begins to build the kingdom of God. The guy with two talents, it's similar. Now, look at this guy with one talent, because I think this is a lot like a lot of us as Christians are viewing the quarantine right now. We're looking at the quarantine and we're saying, well, what can I do while, while I have to be at home? I can't be with other people and I'm going to ride this thing out. And What right does the government have to do it? And, and we're looking at it as being sort of a punitive negative thing, right? Um, but, you know, Enoch, remember the older man, the Baptist, godly Baptist man I worked with in seminary? Remember what he used to say? He used to say, it's an ill wind that blows nobody some good. And I noticed, as I was saying to Mary Lay, that one of the headlines, I think this morning, was that daycare centers are saying that maybe they'll never get to open again. <laughs> well, that would just be awful, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not cackling over... Uh, people who have children and one or the other of the spouses is handicapped or has had a catastrophic accident. And so the other one needs to work and they need to use daycare. We've had people in our church like this, but we also see that children are now being instructed at home and who cannot be happy to see, especially Christian parents having more of an opportunity to teach their children. And I know that many of us feel that we're incapable and inadequate to teach our children. And uh, <laughs> I have to admit, I was inadequate to teach uh, Joseph. I've often told you how lousy of a teacher I was. But the kingdom of God is not being held in abeyance right now because of quarantine. This is a talent that God has given us. This period of being set apart, this period of social distancing, this period of being focused on our families and our marriages and home, this is a talent that God has given us. And the question is, will we use it to build the kingdom of God? And so when this guy who got one talent, when he's asked to come and show what he's done with his one talent, what does he do? Well... He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. Now, that's bad enough. But the thing that's really, really disgusting about this guy is when his master returns and asks for the fruit of the talent. And remember, that one talent was a good bit of money. When he asks him to show him what he's earned for it, listen to what the man says. The man says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Now, listen, this is a nasty statement, and yet this is a perfect, a perfect illustration of what men are like in our day. Every man is saying, to his mama and to his papa and to his wife and to his children and to everybody on Facebook that he's been done wrong and that he's not responsible. And how can anybody demand anything out of him 
you know, he's sick, he's hurt, he's wounded, he's, he, he doesn't have ego strength, he, you know, he's weak, he, you know, on and on and on about all the excuses. And so he hides his talent in the ground, okay? He plays video games, he doesn't keep a job, he changes jobs, he moves and he moves and he moves and he moves. Um, Yesterday I was reading somewhere, I don't remember where it was, but I was reading a, a famous quote, which I can't remember. So I don't remember what I was reading and I can't remember the famous quote. But anyhow, the quote was something to the effect that uh, there are many big works that are begun constantly. But then the quote went on and said, but the real test is the continuation of that work on and on and on and on. And as that work is continued for a long period of time, that's where the work becomes a glorious work, okay? And so the other men, they built their talents, but this man, he didn't build his talent, he hid it. And he then answered to his master who wanted his kingdom and his glory built. And he answered to the master, you don't have any right to make a profit off me, you know? You have expectations that are evil. I mean, he really was calling his master evil for asking to benefit from another man's work. I mean, that's what it amounts to. The other men were happy to work for their master and to give him the profit. Of course, every employer and every mother loves a child that's happy to help her and give her the profit, you know? Mom, I'll help you fix dinner. Dads who are working, you know, every son who is honorable wants to help his father with his work, right? And he wants his father to benefit from it. This man didn't want his master benefiting. And he accused his master of being evil. He says, I was afraid and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And that last statement is just despicable. You have what is yours. In other words, I haven't robbed you. You gave me a talent, I hid it, I give it back to you. I haven't robbed you, you have what is yours. Listen, this is sin. And yet this is what the Jews at the time of Jesus were doing, and this is what their religious leaders were doing. And so look, the Son of Man's going to return, not in humility, but in glory. And when he returns, the kingdom of God will be in full display, okay? Every single one of us at that moment, what we have done with the talents that God has given us will be clear, okay? What we have done with our marriage, what we have done with our marriage bet, what we have done with our hands and our minds, our ability to write, like uh, our, our scholars among us, Eric and Jurgen and other men, uh, what we have done with our car, what we have done with our house, what we have done with our money, what we have done with our children. And that is really uh, an important thing that we realize God's given us these children. And if nothing else during this time of quarantine, we have an opportunity to give to God the fruit of the treasures that he's given us in the form of our children. Mom and dad, you don't want to see your children grow up and, and have to be heart sick and with sorrow over children who are not walking with God. 
you want to bring to God the fruit of his stewardship of these precious lives that he's given to you. And so this is an opportunity for us to be good stewards of our homes, of our cars, of our brains, our ability to write, of our singing, wonderful singing this morning and seeing the Killingsworth family. I sent Jody a joke right before we went live saying, would you get all those children to settle down? And it was because I was jealous, you know, there was so much teeming life in his home, you know. And also with the Tuckers and with Ben and Kyla, I was, was up messing around with the, uh, the video camera and Bob and Daniel and Samuel and Dan. And, oh, what life we have in our homes. What wealth we have in our children. And so let's bring in the kingdom of God with our children. Let us raise our children to be prophets. Let us raise our daughters to give themselves to the propagation of a godly seed so that when our Lord returns in all his glory, we can say that when we prayed, thy kingdom come, that we then worked hard to bring in his kingdom. We weren't like the religious leaders of his day. So that's our message for today. Have faith for this time. Uh, Don't look at it as a time when God's being stingy with us, but he's given us treasures that we can use to give him glory and bring in his kingdom right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the kingdom of God. We pray that you will give us faith to use this time and to not pity ourselves and not be discouraged, but to have hope that this too is your plan and that we will see your kingdom grow through this discipline that you have sent to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.